Hi, I'm Nicole Breeden. And I'm Kira Brukirek. And you're listening to ProPrac, a podcast where we explore the professional practice of artists and hear their stories. Welcome to ProPrac. Today we have with us in the studio James Nguyen. James Nguyen is a Melbourne based artist working with documentary practice, installation, and performance. He completed his undergraduate studies with honours at the National Arts School and a Masters of Fine Art at Sydney College of the Arts, the University of Sydney. Nguyen is currently a PhD candidate at UNSW Art and Design, researching in home videos and self-representation and the Vietnamese diaspora. James was a recipient of the Ann and Gordon Samstag International Visual Arts Scholarship, allowing him to travel to New York to be a collaborative fellow at Union Doc Centre for Experimental Documentary Arts in 2016. Just completing a new commission for the Australian War Memorial and the Australian Government's Department of Communication and the Arts, he will be going to Kashmir in September in a regional pilot residency program for the Australia Council. Currently, he is a studio artist at Gertrude Contemporary and an artist committee member at West. Thanks Space. so much for joining us in the studio today, James. Oh, no problem at all. Cool. So let's start off, um, as we always do, with asking you if you could tell us a story of how you became an artist. Okay, so um, I guess I've always made art. And as a kid, I was always kind of like praise for being able to colour within the lines. <laughs> and when I was colouring in, I was always, like, colouring in in one direction only. Mm. And so, yeah, I, I was kind of, like, a very compliant child. <laughs> um, yeah, and I made very compliant colouring in drawings. <laughs> <laughs> Were you particular about what colours you used? Uh, just, just like, bright, clean colours, mm-hmm. like, not mixing colours up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And so, like, in, in a way, because I was so compliant with it, um, everyone around me praised me for it. And I'm like, oh, I'm very good at art. <laughs> <laughs> everyone loves compliant children. <laughs> yeah, but, um, yeah, I, I did do art in high school. And the funny story is that so did my little brother, um, we're eight years apart, but he got into Art Express, mm-hmm. and he didn't really even care about art. Oh, right. And I cared about art, and I didn't get into Art Express. Is Art Express, um, for those who don't live in New South Wales, is that like a end-of-year exhibition for graduates? High, high school, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. We've got Top Arts in Victoria. Yeah, there's a big show at NGV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nicole was one of those kids. Oh, I didn't get Stop. accepted. I know. And, and so it's like it's a motivation to <laughs> yeah, kind of yeah. continue and yeah. beat the other so person. I'm going to crush him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but um, no, like I, I've always kind of made art, but um, I did pharmacy as my first degree and I worked in, well, I, I worked eventually as a palliative care pharmacist mm. and um, palliative care really thrilling and shiny and happy place mm. um, yeah, yeah but after about six years of that it kind of like did affect my mental health yeah. like I really loved working with everyone because everyone who ends up in palliative care is really caring and mm-hmm. is really lovely and the team is like really mm. wonderful and supportive and kind but um when you're away from that, you're like, oh, my God, like, I don't want to be there. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, I, over time I got into a rut and it took my friends from high school to actually pick up on that and also to actually tell me while I was driving them home, they're like, 
dude, you're not the person you are. Mm. Like, um, you've always been. You've got to um, do something about it. Mm-hmm. And being me, I didn't do anything about it. And so my lovely friends organized um, to get me a birthday present, which was like nighttime painting classes. Oh my gosh. Yeah, at the National Art School. So like for me, like those friends are just like the best, you know, like without them, I'll be completely fucked. Um, Yeah. Wow. Yeah. How amazing for them to see that and act on it and support you in that way. Mm. That's really special. Mm. Wow. So from those classes, did yeah. you then decide? Yeah, I, I, I was like is... not that great at it. Like I, I learned like how to scumble mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. all of the painting things. Yeah. Um, but then, I, yeah, like it, it did plant into my head that idea that, hey, I can do art. And also having worked in palliative care, I'm like, wait a minute, you could turn 30 and get like pancreatic cancer Mm. and you know like that idea that you could become like an artist later in life you know like once you've paid off the mortgage or or that hullabaloo yeah um and then reward yourself with a bit of you know like plein air painting at the end of your (laughs) life like um yeah it it felt kind of like absurd yeah it's like well life short i've just got to make it happen somehow and in, in a way having my friends kind of behind me and kind of like having them kind of like trust in me and to support me in this process like it, it made it really easy mm. yeah yeah so yeah so so I, I guess from those nighttime painting classes it just quickly transferred into like an undergraduate degree yeah mm-hmm. and that kind of like legitimize the practice of making art because you know you're going through an institutional structure yeah. and a process and you're, and you're surrounded like, by uh, others we're that are brainwashed are... from school <laughs> <laughs> yeah was that a hard transition for you from being in a place of employment to then being a student again um and then and also you know what could seem as very different ends of the spectrum um yeah yeah so like i was very lucky so i developed this portfolio that the National Art School wanted of mm-hmm. drawings and things mm-hmm. like that and yeah and, and so it took me probably a year to kind of like do that slow transition to mm. prepare to go to um, art school university and kind of like wean myself off like um, public health and in that process I did turn from public health to kind of like working at a um, a, a community pharmacy setting. Mm-hmm. And with that, it had more flexibility. Um, and also I could work more weekends. And, and so that, that was how I kind of like managed it. So working mm. weekends and then studying full time. Mm. Yeah. yeah, wow. Mm. We were actually just um, speaking to our last guest about how um, working in the arts and then having an arts practice, it's like it's kind of not really enough money to support your arts practice, but um, maybe getting something more in a medical field is, is like the way to go. Mm, like, um, yeah, a pharmacy has absolutely helped me kind of like manage my finances mm. along the way. Mm-hmm. But one of the really weird things is that pharmacy is a female-dominated mm. um, industry and so compared to a lot of other health, you know, like um, specializations, it's actually really poorly paid. And 
um, especially in um, like private practice, like which is dominated by you know like big chains like you know chemist warehouse whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're kind of like. Yeah, they they actually don't pay people properly, yeah. and and the wages are like not that great, and and so it's this idea where the arts is really underpaid, mm-hmm. but then a lot of the other services um are just as underpaid and exploited, mm-hmm. and and uh, yeah, especially in industries where it's like female dominated, yeah. like it's just really predictable Mm -hmm. but also it's kind of like yeah it's it's really terrible it's kind of like child care you know like elder care or all these things that involve care Mm -hmm. like um yeah it's just underpaid but i'm just complaining (laughs) no well i think we sometimes have this perception in the arts that like oh oh where where it's so hard being an artist and it's so hard working the arts but i think you know so many other industries are really you know suffering as well um Mm. today yeah but but i think the thing is that if we have a platform to complain about it and to Mm -hmm. kind of like really work towards improving our situation then it can potentially like lead for other um industries to you know like maybe work with us or you Mm -hmm. know like share Mm -hmm. in that idea of you know like it's we're, we're just not like separate industries we're all people trying to survive and make money and get through and Mm. the idea that you know like all the industries should come together and then you know like fight the good fight i I think it's really important Mm. yeah Mm. Mm. so how did you when you came to art school did you kind of did you feel better was it like a feeling of you were starting to be satisfied in ways that you weren't before or um was it a whole new experience or were you kind of like really prepared by that stage and you just kind of like seamlessly floated into a, that space? Yeah, like I, I felt like I kind of seamlessly floated in because mm. I had already done um, tertiary education with my previous degree. Yeah. Um, and I guess with, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's that idea that if you're if you've done something like that before and you've really wanted to do art, then you just do art. Like you, you just like do all the assignments, hand them in on time, turn up, like Mm. go to all the drawing classes. And what was actually really fun was that at the national art school, like you'll turn up and then the whole week you'd be covered in charcoal and you'd feel like some dirty, dirty grite right yeah. and and then like on friday when it was kind of like art history and theory day like yeah. you're able to wear like pants and yeah, a yeah, yeah. <laughs> i had um when i was going through undergrad a family friend living with us um at my mum's house and um i would always steal his jumpers and stuff to wear and he'd get so pissed off with me because he'd always be like they always come home dirty with like paint or yeah charcoal or something like mushed into it and I was like what doesn't everyone get this dirty when they're at uni yeah I know I just think people thought I was so badly dressed the whole way through uni and I well I was but it was just like yeah it's because I'm in the workshop every day it's not I'm like up here like drawing you know nice pen drawing or like you know (laughs) on your laptop (laughs) and you know at VCA at that time um 
as one friend put it, she was an, um, an international student. She was like, I can't believe I paid so much money to sit on a floor for three years because <laughs> I never had any chairs. <laughs> <laughs> but, but also like, the other thing is that you can tell like how early on undergrads are in, uh, undergrads are in the, you, you know, ha- what, what year they're in because yeah. in the first few months, like their dress really nice. Yeah. <laughs> and then like mm-hmm. there's just this, steep decline yeah yeah it's like everybody in masters is just like or it's the opposite you're like i actually haven't been into the studio to make work i've just been writing this fucking thesis yeah i've been in the library for six months straight (laughs) yeah 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 Yeah. everyone's just really just like parlor and unhealthy looking oh yeah (laughs) no one's got vitamin d So after uni, um, were you like, you were sold on it and you wanted to keep practicing? Um, what happened from there? Yeah. So like, um, yeah, like I've got to mention that pretty much all of my opportunities came from like supervisors mm. and like really supportive people. Like even though the National Art School is seen as this kind of conservative um, school where, you know, they teach you to like draw and make create pictures in proportion and yeah. all these things um yeah like um yeah a lot of the teachers started to put me into like little exhibitions and things and then I ended up um doing an honors and then I went to SCA to do my um master's because mm-hmm. like in my head because I, I've done a degree before like when I started the uh, when I started art I was like hmm I better be super strategic yeah and so like my plan originally from the very start was to go to the most conservative you know like practical um hands-on kind of like uh undergrad and then move to different um schools to mm. open up networks yeah because i was like this kind of like strategic conniving kind <laughs> of person mm. um no but but in the end it meant that i was able to open myself to more opportunities yeah. and to meet all different people yeah um yeah and, and i think that's really important to not kind of like stay in one place mm. yeah yeah i think yeah, you so often do hear of people i think um the people studying at VCA are particularly guilty of doing mm, that. Doing, I'm guilty. Yeah, you know, doing undergrad and then honours and then masters and then even a PhD all in the same school and think, um, you know, depending on who you are, of course. But yeah, it does have the potential to be really limiting in terms mm, of like mm-hmm. the, you know the networks that you have. Yeah, it's definitely something on reflection that I've thought about of being like, oh, I, you know, that could have been really beneficial to. Mm. Um, move to another university or to interstate to find supervisors that would have been really beneficial for my practice at that point. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I actually met you very, very, very briefly for maybe five minutes um, uh, at Solidi Tawali's house. And um, she spoke um, a little bit about how moving to Sydney opened up a lot of um, possibilities for her to kind of continue her practice. Um, and we've since learned that you've moved to, you've actually moved to Melbourne. So yeah, because of Zalotti. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just there can't, was. just need to get away from her. Sucking up all the energy, all the money. Uh, I was going right. to say there's like a hole in Melbourne arts community since she's left and you've come to fill it. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's much well, more beautiful. Wow, so positive. 
Um, yeah, so uh, you've moved to Melbourne just this year. Um, mm-hmm. What uh, what prompted you to um, leave Sydney and come to Melbourne? Yeah, so Gertrude um, Studios. So, yeah, like it, it's this weird thing where I think when you move or you go away, like people think you're special, right? Um <laughs> I, th- I, th- I thought you were going to say, like, people think you've died. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's why Instagram's there, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like, look at me, I'm in the melt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but that, I, I think, um, yeah, like, because when, when I finished um, at SCA, I went overseas to do, like, an experimental documentary film collaborative, like, super long mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, project, like, um school and I think that actually really helped my career and one of the best things was that I had established such good friends that while I was away overseas I was put in like a a bunch of like group shows but all my friends had installed all the works for me Mm -hmm. you know and and it's that kind of like support network that is really important Mm. um yeah because like it's sometimes it's yeah as as you say sometimes when you move like you feel like you're absent and then you lose that contact yeah. but in a way like having the support network of friends allow you to kind of like maintain that kind of like presence mm-hmm. while while you're away so so that really helps um yeah but I, I think since I've moved to Melbourne like I've like it's been really great like um yeah, because, like, I think it's really important to kind of, like, start building up networks before you move. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, like, for me, I wouldn't have moved if it wasn't for Gertrude. Yeah. Um, because just going to a place by yourself is really boring and lonely. Yeah. But to have, like, an institution or, like, um, a, a group of people involved in a project or something that you that that you're in the middle of like that just makes the whole process just like so simple and yeah. so easy you're like plonk you're like a mm. mollusk yeah <laughs> yeah you, you just insert yourself, yourself yeah. into things <laughs> like right? a parasite yeah yeah that's yeah. me yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hyper parasitic um yeah but yeah like i i did like the next wave last year and um i had like made some friends from that and it mm-hmm. made the move really easy because you know yeah. like from working with like Bron my like producer like she found mm-hmm. me a place to stay like yeah yeah so it's kind of this thing where when you're working in a city like you really need to kind of like yeah put yourself out to do like projects elsewhere mm-hmm. and while you're doing those projects make sure that you find friends and find mm-hmm. networks that you can really um attach yourself to like yeah. a mollusk <laughs> yeah so so that you know like they create kind of like a, a safety mechanism for mm, you when, mm. when when you move right mm, um mm. and next wave has come up quite a few times but it, it's such a great program for that yeah. because there's so many yeah interstate artists so you make these kind of australia-wide network mm. um yeah. and a really intense like yeah especially if you go through the lead up program as well really intense relationships and it's yeah it's a great program Mm. yeah no i I, yeah like for for me i just can't love anything more than next wave Mm. and so like when it doesn't have funding and it's in this state of precarity like it makes me extremely sad because Mm. i'm like 
I've benefited from it so much. Oh, yeah. Us too. Yeah. We, we both went through. I, I did, uh, um, back then it was called the Kickstart Program, which was the, you know, in-between year of um, development. Mm. And, I mean, yeah, like so much of, of my career I owe to the things that I've learned you know, during, during that program, that was all, that was all of my professional development that mm. I learned then. Mm. And lasting friendships as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Mm. Um, I also want to touch on, you were a recipient of, um, recipient of Samstag, mm-hmm. which is like the elusive, amazing grant that everyone always wants. So, well, we all want to go to Goldsmiths. <laughs> and um, congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was a while ago. Yeah, but still, yeah. congratulations on being one of those people that yeah. get it. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, how was that experience for you and what did that do for your career? Like, um, yeah, it was amazing. But I have to say, like, I think one of the reasons why I got it was that at that time, Sandstag was a postal submission. Mm-hmm. And, mm. you know, like, I'm a dork that like loves writing grants and sending things yeah. in by post so yeah. i probably sent mine in on time <laughs> <laughs> and that probably cancelled out a lot of the competition yeah um yeah because you yeah. had to always have it postmarked by a certain date yeah yeah i remember yeah, friends i don't think theirs was postmarked i think you actually, actually had, had to, to have, have it, it there on mm. the date and that yeah. that's a for people who are um a little bit younger than us listening who didn't have to ever post in an application Printing slides, a, man. Have to, yeah. <laughs> that and was also, a I had been at the post office many times with other groups of friends, like five of us running to the post office being like, can you backdate this stamp it so it's like at 4 p.m. rather than being there like right on? Because they would change the time on the stamp of when you actually took it into the post office and like having to like plead with your local post please, office. Please postmark this today. Post, yeah. It has to be postmarked by today. <laughs> Yeah, which is just yeah. wild to think about now. Yeah. <laughs> like, these poor postal yeah. workers, just like a you know yeah. a bunch of crazy artists being like. Whoa. But now what we can probably do is like get a VPN so that when mm. you submit things mm-hmm. online, mm. <laughs> you just like change your location. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sending it from London. (laughs) I am always like, your server was down. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I just write, yeah, I just write them an email and be like, um, I'm so, um, I shouldn't be telling people this because, you know, I'm just like, oh, it's, I got an, you bounced. Yeah. No, but, but generally they're really good if, mm. like, you miss that, you miss the deadline, then you just write a nice Mm. email apologizing. I think most people are fine. Yeah. And if you're, you know, someone who isn't putting in a shit application that's a waste of their time to read that you've actually gone to the effort they can open it up and see straight away that you have spent the time putting mm-hmm. that together and you haven't written it in five minutes before the deadline or whatever mm-hmm. um you know most yeah. people are pretty nice about it yeah um yeah so anyway with sam stag what did you where did you go and what yeah. did you do yeah, so so with sam stag um i ended up going to um union docs mm-hmm. and I guess what, that's maybe one of the reasons why I might have stood out from the crowd because I didn't want to go to Goldsmiths yeah. or Parsons <laughs> or, or, you know, like all, all those kind of like elite fancy places. Totally. And, um, yeah, so like Union Docs, it took me a while to find them. And, yeah, they were just amazing. So basically I I had a deep think about where I wanted my practice to be and at that time it was mainly in 
kind of like performance video and cinematography and I'm like yeah but then I was like wait a minute I'm actually not saying anything with the work that I'm making mm. and so I was like maybe I need to like look into like documentary process and and so like having that concrete idea of you know like moving my practice into documentary mm. I found uh, Union Docs which you know like um, every year they would bring in like six people from overseas and like six local Americans, usually from New York, and then throw them together and have this one intense year of, you know, like forcing them to find stories and produce wow. like six to, I don't know, 12 like little documentaries. And um, yeah, and, and you've got to learn to work together. You've got mm. to learn to like fight with each other. You've mm. got to learn to like pitch. Um and then throughout that whole thing of making your own work, like you have to kind of also have all these workshops um, with like all these amazing documentary filmmakers. So cool. It's like mm. the best thing on earth. And like a lot of people say that, you know, like in New York, the art world and the art scenes are like kind of like really commercial and lame and blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, sure. But then there's lots of like little satellite organizations mm-hmm. that are actually like really experimental and just like really incredible and like super ethical in how they work with each other yeah and and how they train people up to like develop these skills um yeah and so i was like really lucky to fall into that Mm. um and yeah i had the best time in new york because i had like nerdy documentary makers like running around and going to like weird places where most people would kind of like not have access to yeah like yeah yeah. i think people forget about new york too it's like there's no art community in new york it's communities and they're all like i mean there's just so many people there that there's all just pockets like Mm. everywhere that all do different things and it's just like you know whereas maybe in melbourne you have like three of your friends who are interested in that thing there's like a whole community that are just interested in that one specific form of practice or yeah. you know your topic or whatever it is that yeah. you're kind of making mm. work about and there's about. probably some little institution that is working around yeah. that as well yeah. yeah yeah and they can get like the best quality people like mm. people have won like academy awards mm-hmm. making documentary film mm-hmm. but because documentary film doesn't make any money they're just as poor as you yeah and so it's like they'll come in and they'll teach you like, we'll give you how to dollars yeah now. like how yeah. to be poor together like <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah, so it's it's that kind of like amazing camaraderie and, mm-hmm. and I think you really do need to search for those little places because mm-hmm. otherwise like, you know, like, I don't know, like I, I feel like a lot of the kind of like post-grad masters and PhDs, they're, they're, they're kind of like, there's this churn yeah. of mm-hmm. people and mm-hmm. it's like their way of making like big money and big bucks and you get a big brand on you, like, you know, like a big, you know, like Columbia on your forehead or, yeah. you know, like NYC, like, um, yeah. or NYU, like, mm. um, yeah, like that opens doors, but mm. then in a way, like, does that really help with your practice? Like totally. for mm-hmm. some people that would be amazing because they'll be able to find a gallery. They'll, they'll be able to really establish themselves as, you know, like, um, a, a maker. 
yeah. and also a producer of like you know like viable work mm. but then the other idea of viability is like you find a community that makes your work viable mm-hmm. yeah. um yeah and so it's kind of like yeah you've just got to really decide what yeah, you've got to be strategic. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I guess, like, those those universities and institutions are only really as useful as, um, you know, like you were saying before, is if you actually use them and, you know, you, you do kind of access the, the resources that they have, whether it's the lecturers or the, you know, the libraries or whatever, whatever it is, like, you need to kind of be able to, like, utilise what you've got there. Because, like, you know, anyone could go through a degree at NYU and just come out the other side with no friends because they didn't talk Mm. to anyone but it's the same here I remember in my master's program at PCA um there was a few of us that had done undergrad there um and quite a lot that hadn't and for some of those students who didn't know what teachers were there and what um or they might have known that they were there but might not have known that they actually had a specific interest in this one thing even though they didn't make work about it um that could be really good for them to discuss their practice with they didn't have access to that because that information wasn't readily available um whereas uh, us who had gone through undergrad there knew that um which can be a bit of a shame when people yeah go through a whole um postgraduate degree without fully getting the resources that are Mm. available at a university but also maybe they didn't actually turn up and talk to them and Mm. book meetings with them and you know it, yeah, it's a kind of cuts both ways. Mm. I oh, totally, yeah. definitely. But um, sometimes things aren't particularly advertised as well. Um, mm. yeah, also, so. like you've got to be like really not like aware that you know, like these universities and institutions are exploitative. Yeah, you know, like you're a resource. You know, like mm-hmm. you're there so that they can get a certain number of funding. You know, like they you. You know, like, why would they let you do, like, a PhD? Because, like, you have, you know, some cachets and artists, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so, like, because they're exploiting you, like, you need to exploit them. Like, mm-hmm. the the idea that, you know, like, oh, you're just this passive person who's just going to, like, move through this space. It's, it's fucked. Like, you've got to really take as much as you can from them because they're really exploiting you like Mm. you know like if you don't exploit them then it's like it sucks to be you right like you're a fucking idiot um what have been some of the biggest challenges or things you've needed to overcome to continue practicing Mm. um i don't know like learning that yeah it's that whole whole process of you know like being assertive with what you want yeah because like even though i had that kind of like bigger plan of you know like being an institutional slut and you know like (laughs) (laughs) making my way through all the institutions like um yeah like having the confidence to actually approach um your lecturers or kind of like having that confidence to kind of like contact artists that you really love Mm. and you know like or you want to like work with like I I think that has been an extremely long process for me. Like, um, yeah, now, like, it feels like I'm collaborating with, like, anyone. <laughs> and, and it's kind of like, who's this person who doesn't have their own practice? But, yeah, but, but yeah, like, that, that whole, that whole capacity to, to go and approach people and kind of, like, stalk them and then... <laughs> 
contact them. Like yeah. it's it's actually really hard. Like mm. um psychologically, you know, like um yeah, it's that thing where I don't know, like growing up, like you think that anyone in the institution or anyone who's a teacher or who has that kind of like mm-hmm. I don't know role um yeah. is God, right? Yeah. And Any, anyone like more than one year older than me. Mm. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So yeah, so like to kind of like realize that they're also just like people mm-hmm. and you know they're interesting people mm-hmm. and, and kind of like just kind of like just getting the kind of like courage to just approach them I mm-hmm. think that that has been really hard um but once you do it like you just kind of get addicted to it I don't think I was well especially in undergrad it was not something that I was aware of and then Suddenly, after graduating, there was, like, certain students from my year level that had formed these really strong friendships and relationships with some of the teachers. And I was like, how? Wait a minute. What? <laughs> I was like, I didn't know we were allowed to do that. And yeah. like, They're, We can be friends, friends with, with the teachers? Yeah. And Just don't sleep with them, Laura. And they, you know, continue to these day to have these really strong relationships yeah. and collaborative processes as well and practices. So, yeah, to me, I, I did not know that that was available yeah. Um and yeah, and I yeah still I'm trying to overcome that as well of being able to yeah, yeah yeah every time we email someone for ProPrac that's like I feel like I'm asking someone out on a date I'm like yeah. will you <laughs> <laughs> when are they gonna call back <laughs> so I I did I did yeah. see uh, an old um, teacher who was sort of like my stand-in um, supervisor some time ago and I think I invited her for a studio visit and it's like I did ask her on a date her response was sort of like oh. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I, would, I would like that. Yeah, you do that. Uh, soon. And I was like, oh, burning on the inside. Um, I, but I, I was just going to counteract that with, I, I was really ballsy though and contacted two really big artists um, about projects. One was in my honours year. Um, there was a text that had been accompanied to his work at the Venice Biennale um, that I hadn't, I had visited at that show like two years beforehand. I didn't pick up this text. So I sent him an email um, when I was, actually, no, it was when I was in third year. Um, and he was um, Daniel Noor, the representative for Romania, sent him an email saying, hey, I didn't get the text, um, didn't pick it up. Do you happen to have any copies? And he was like, yeah, sure, I'll post you one. And then he really kindly sent it to me, which was really lovely because I was able to use it for my art history essay and I sucked at writing essays and that really assisted me. Um, And then a year or two later, I was in Germany and before I went, my mum was like, do you still have that piece of paper that that artist like sent you, like the packaging that he sent the the book in because it had his address on? She was like, look him up and go there. Was was your mum setting you up? (laughs) Go to his house. And then I did. Follow him. And he totally invited me to his studio and was so kind, gave me so much information, um, gave me another one of his books, which then went on to be like a crucial text for me, um, The European Influenza. It was amazing. Um, and then again, another person I had seen, I just like randomly emailed Tanya Stoik and was like, Hey, I really like your work. I'm going to be in Berlin. 
uh, can we have coffee? And she was like, yeah, let's go out for dinner. And she was like a massive artist and she took the time to sit down with me and really talk through concepts that I was um, going through in my practice that maybe the teachers at, at that time weren't able to have those kind of dialogues with me. Um, so, you know, putting sometimes putting yourself out there and asking mm. someone mm -hmm. can really pay off because those two people really, really helped me um, yeah. at a point where... Yeah, I wasn't able to get that feedback within the institution. Isn't that one of those things? It's like the worst they can say is no. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's so true. Well, I mean, yeah. But it's hard. It's really hard to overcome that. And maybe it's because I didn't know them that I was a little bit fearless and was like, that's fine. I'll just like shoot off an email and mm. ask them. There's no harm in asking. But when it maybe is a lecturer or someone within the community that you work in and like putting yourself out there to say, hey, I really like your practice and can we like talk about what you're talking about? Mm. Because... I'm into that too. Like that, it can be yeah. really scary. Don't you think though? Like if you, if you, you know, if some little art baby from you know overseas emailed you now and was like, "Oh, hi, I'm really big fan of your work. Like, can I meet up with you?" <laughs> what are they gonna say? I know, I know. I'm like, that's never gonna happen. No, no one from like Portland's gonna be like, "Hi, I'm really big fan of you in Melbourne. I'm coming to Melbourne." No one does that. Um, but if they did, like, wouldn't you take them out for dinner? I'd be so flattered. Yeah. I would be yeah. like. I'm a rock star now. <laughs> Take kids out for dinner, tell them about the world and life and art. I would probably redirect yeah. them to someone else. <laughs> I think this guy's more up your alley. Yeah. Yeah, but, but it makes you think that kind of like how, you know, that, that idea of confidence is for us, we have to learn it and we really have to like practice it. Mm -hmm. And we actually really have to tell ourselves that it's possible to kind of like reach out yeah um yeah because I, I guess there would be like segments of the society where this just comes naturally totally. right um mm -hmm. you know like particular people would have you know grown up with a lot of privilege mm -hmm. and so like their movement through the world is r much more easier than ours and so it's that thing where they have the confidence to do this and it's like a normality normal thing for yeah, them yeah, yeah. yeah and so kind of like they would get these opportunities and yeah, those mm -hmm. opportunities come mm -hmm. easy mm -hmm. right yeah. I, I guess easy to various degrees but then mm -hmm. like for all of us like we really need to like fight back in a way by believing in ourselves and mm -hmm. kind of like you know like be confident like yeah, um totally. because you, you're asking all the time. Yeah, because mm. constantly, like, as, as we're growing up and moving through institutions and spaces, like, things undermine us and mm -hmm. things, like, take away our confidence and prevent us from, like, stepping up and kind of, like, putting ourselves in a place, you know, yeah. like, and, 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 you know, like, yeah, like, I, I just find that, um, yeah, like, that's a really important thing that we need to fight back on mm. in that we need to put ourselves in that place. Mm -hmm. Like, or, or, otherwise no one's going to do it for us Yeah, because, you know, like the other motherfuckers, you know, they're, yeah. they're, they're, they're taking up all the space. Anyway, totally. Right? Yeah. 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 And it, yeah, you're so spot on. Like, yeah, some people it's, they're taught it from day one um, and taught to speak with or ask with an authority. Um, mm. I still, yeah, again, really struggle with that. And writing, um, one of my most hated things to do is having to ask people for reference, like to be a referee for something or to write a letter of support. 
I had an incident in my um, honours where I asked my supervisor if they would, um, I think I said, would you, um, would you wish or would you care or would you like to write a letter of support? And they came storming into my <laughs> studio and was like, of course I wouldn't like to do it. I have to do it. It's my responsibility as your supervisor. And it's like, that Stop being so nice, yeah. right? Like it's yeah, and it crushed. But no, but, but I, yeah. I don't. No, I don't no. think they yeah. meant it as in like yeah. you need to you grab, grab this by the balls. Up. They were like, "Fucking stop asking me, me for shit." Yeah, yeah, oh, and I, it really, crushed yeah. me. And like I, then I still am trying to get over the fact that like mm. the people that I ask now, um, of course they would want to. They're people that I work with and people who support my practice. But that was like. You know, um, when you are someone that doesn't know how to ask for things um, and and then you get cut down or shut down, that can be so damaging because mm. you are already from a place of so little um, yeah. that it kind of, yeah, you kind of start going into the mm. negative. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, when maybe somebody else who has more confidence would have just asked for it with so much authority that they would have been like, yes, yeah, sure, no worries. Yeah, yeah. or have the mm. right language to do mm. so. That's, yeah. I think, another thing is, um, you know, when you've you've been shown from a young age um, how to do that. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, that that actually was that um that really great little clip on Instagram that you showed me that was like how to how to how to change your passive language in your emails and it was a mm. little chart of like, you know, um. Sorry for the delay in re- you know re- returning to your email and it was like yeah. mm. thanks maybe for your thanks for your thanks for your patience so um yeah maybe we'll we'll pop that up on our Instagram yeah it's, it's great yeah yeah um so for you James what does a a successful practice mean to you so like um I guess like a successful practice means that you can keep going and doing what you do um and that means you need a lot of things behind you. So like you need the support of the people around you. You need kind of like, as we were talking about before, kind of like the confidence to kind of believe in what you're doing and kind of like putting yourself in uncomfortable situations so you just get there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and also kind of like financially. Mm-hmm. Like you've just got to like make enough money to make the work that you want. Mm-hmm. But um. What I'm learning really quickly is that when you are making work that's a commission or, you know, like or when you get an artist fee, like a lot of people see that as like a big opportunity to do something big and to do something ambitious and then push themselves financially into like a really difficult position. And and kind of like a lot of institutions, they give you seed funding mm-hmm. and they give you like a little bit of money so that you have to spend a lot of time yourself like to find more money to present something really big and ginormous and fabulous inside their space. Mm-hmm. And then they get kind of like... The recognition. Yeah, the, yeah. the, the credibility. Like, yeah. And I'm like, that's kind of fucked. And so... To, to make my practice sustainable, I'm, like, working from, okay, so you're giving me that amount. I'm going to work backwards mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and work it out how I can make my work to that yep. amount that you've given me. Yep. Like, yes. if, if you pay me $500 for a show, okay, expect something a on a work. USB. Like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah and, and I think you've just got to be ruthless and smart like that. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes 
you don't need to be spectacular and the best person in a show. Like you, you don't need to put yourself in financial danger to to make something that lasts for like four weeks. Yeah. Right. I'm mm-hmm. like, what the fuck? So and I think yeah. yeah, the more the institutions see artists you know kind not pushing back yeah yeah uh, you know not seeing it you know just as an opportunity mm. <laughs> um mm. and you know um doing what is actually being paid of them i think that's a really good thing and yeah that's something that i'm kind of learning at the moment as yeah, well yeah that's something um i only really picked it up when i started working like freelance as like an art installer um that you know you have a budget to do a project and you have to you know, you have to deliver that or you need to change the scope. And so, you know, um, reading some books on like freelance, freelancing, um, you know, especially like, fr- you know, freelance, like web design and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, if you, if, you know, if this is the money that you have, like this is what I can provide for that much. And I think that artists so often don't do that. They, they think that they're sort of like, you know, they're putting like a down payment on a future return and it's just, mm. it, it's never going to come. It's not going to be a return. Like you're going to, no, you, you know, no. you're going to have a show in like the biggest museum or art gallery in the world and it's still going to be like, they'll give you five grand yeah. and want to, you know. Yeah. And then like next month it's show. something else, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you're like the idea that you put on show is in a carousel. Mm-hmm. And so it's, is it really worth like going into debt so that you spend the next two years paying it off Mm -hmm. um while you're just like you know one blip on kind of like their programming like really there's no point so Mm. yeah i yeah my my thing that i would kind of like always recommend is to look at you know like what they're going to give you and work backwards from that you know like and and also kind of like the creativity is not always to make like the most spectacular work Mm -hmm. or make the most of that opportunity like the opportunity is there to kind of like make cheap work yeah you know like Mm -hmm. how can you make your work as cheap as possible for a maximum outcome like um can you just throw everything on the back of your ute and then drive around and make you know like 20 minute performances because you know you don't want to book you know like all these extravagant kind of spaces that no one's going to pay tickets for yeah so you've got to be creative as an artist to yeah to kind of like exploit that system where you can make work that's like not expensive like make things out of paper and staples like Mm -hmm. you know like just pair back and and sometimes pairing back actually makes the work a lot more totally like Mm -hmm. impactful because in a way like really humble like cheap yeah. <laughs> like yeah. everyone can relate to cheap yeah right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah unless you're rich and then it's not for you um yeah. but yeah i think i think everybody can benefit from finding where that that balance is for them like you know i've definitely gone you know both ways and it's um maybe you know a little bit in the middle or you know more towards the cheap side but i think yeah i think that everybody can benefit from from exploring that mm-hmm. Mm. of seeing how you know how small can you pack something up how portable can you make something how mm. cheap can you make something mm. how, how much of your artist fee can you put away for your savings or yes. yeah pay yourself yes. first. yeah 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 um you know it doesn't all have to go back into your arts practice no yes i do see a lot of artists um that 
you know, they get, they do get like a big opportunity like this. And then like for, you know, three months, they like party and like living it up, which is, you know, part of, part of, often part of that kind of like, um, you know, the peaks and troughs of being yeah, an artist. So you're like, <laughs> yeah, you know, you're like really, really poor and staying with friends for a little bit, you mm. know, and maybe can't afford your rent. And then you're like, you know, drinking martinis on the rooftop. It's, yeah, but, but um, I, I, you know, like I think an artist totally has the prerogative to do that if they mm-hmm. want to because, totally. you know, that's their mental health and that's their care, right? Yeah, like, yeah. You know, like you work two, three years, like on these really difficult, conceptually challenging, vulnerable things and mm-hmm. then you get a little bit of a grant, fucking enjoy it. Like, um, yeah, no, no one can tell you what you can do with that money. Yeah. Like, just be really c- clever with how you yeah. fill yeah. in the forms afterwards. Like, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and, and I think sometimes in those moments of, you know, like extreme partying or sometimes like things can come out of those, right? Oh, and, yeah. and, you know, you can actually create art from, you know, like your kind of like mm-hmm. extravagance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? yeah, yeah, I just think maybe like, you know, have intention for what you want to mm. do as well. Like, and just be aware of <clears throat> the fact that like, you know, you don't always want to be super um, frugal and, and poor all the time because mm. it, it can be really damaging to your mental health. But like, you know, yeah, make sure, make sure you maybe pay yourself a little bit first yeah. and then have your martini on the rooftop. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, could you give us a rundown of what your practice looks like in a day or a week of the life of James? Yeah. So at, at the moment, like, um, I'm working like locum in pharmacy. Like, um, so whenever my funds go really low, then I go work at a pharmacy for a few mm-hmm. days and then, you know, like get back mm-hmm. um, into kind of like normal <laughs> finances yeah but um yeah like yeah la- lately I've been kind of lucky in having projects with a little bit of funding and so I'm able to kind of like eke my way mm. from project to project at the moment and so like basically most of my time is spent hustling answering emails responding and hmm. and, and in a way I, th- I think a lot of my opportunities have come from the fact that you're seen as reliable yeah Mm. and also like I make videos really quickly that can slot into places where if people um have a gap or if people have someone who happens to pull out or something then they can just slip a video or or something little that I've made so make sure that your practice is like really broad like you know mm-hmm. like make some video like make some mm-hmm. sculpture things like yeah in a way that's just just so that you could slot your your practice into multiple places mm-hmm. and, and most of my time is spent kind of like um answering emails on time you know like mm-hmm. responding to people's things like on yeah. time so that you know like you hold on to those opportunities mm, mm-hmm. yeah. and you can keep those opportunities afloat and then you can slip in kind of like this work there that work there and mm-hmm. it's kind of like that yeah it's pies fingers in many yeah. pies yeah Nicole and I are both um we're pretty into being yeah like 
really prompt with email responses to people. Really? Uh, yeah, most of the time. Okay. <laughs> um, and it's like uh, something, yeah, that I kind of pay attention to as well because I don't want to be known as a person that's like... Unreliable. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. Um, huge fear of that. Yeah, yeah. And being like slack or like, you know, flaky or whatever it is mm. um, that people are thinking. Um, and... Yeah, I think I think there's a lot to be said about being someone that, you know, um, it really sucks writing emails all day and it takes up way too much of our time. But at the same time, um, I do get emails back being like, thank you so much for doing this or like things turn around a lot quicker because you are turning things around a lot quicker and it, it, it can be really helpful. Mm. Um, I understand that not everyone can be like, on their emails all the yeah, time. Absolutely. I mean, neither yep. can I, but it, it, I think it's, you know, yeah. it's a considerate thing to do when there's people that are at the other end and their jobs are like... Mm. Under pressure, right? Yeah. Like, you know, like when they need, like, yeah, like with, with grants and, you know, like half the time they're hustling for you, right? Mm-mm. Like they're, you know, like museum people, like non, you know, like people who aren't, you know, directly making art for you or like they're actually working in ways that are really supporting your practice yeah 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 and kind of like just be responsible just turn up just mm-hmm. yeah. answer emails yeah. like yeah. or on the quite flip often side, they might it... only be working three days a week as well so like if you don't answer an email for three days it might be like a week before they are back in the office or whatever yeah. it is and like yeah, and on the flip side, you. you're either working with your peers and they're in exactly the same position yeah. as you and they're probably working for no money and it's like a, you know, thing that you're organising together. Um, you know, being courteous in that way, I think, goes yeah. a long way. Thank you for being super prompt with all of your emails, <laughs> yeah. <Ross> James. <laughs> You um, really were actually, yeah. Sometimes I'm not. Though. Yeah. Um. Do, is, do you find um? Do you have like a kind of rhythm with how you sort of set up your day? Like, do you spend like you know your morning doing emails, or you just kind of like always on call, or like you kind of have on your phone, or yeah, like I'm always on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you like do you yeah. like you like it like um incessantly kind of like refresh your email feed, or are you like one of those kind of people? Or yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Like um. Yeah, I'm totally captivated by that churn and mm-hmm. I'm so part of it, right? And yeah. and so kind kind of like yeah, like I justify myself by saying, look, like this is how I keep an eye on like the practice around me mm. and like look at like who's making what, doing interesting things and I'm yeah. like wait a minute, who are they doing what with who? Mm-hmm. And then, like, you kind of, like, follow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and then you're, like, actually, that's how you kind of, like, network. Like, you look mm-hmm. for kind of, like, choreographers or mm-hmm. musicians, like, people that don't actually usually fall into your sphere. Like, mm-hmm. you kind of, like, use that. But then it becomes, like, this addictive, crazy yep. thing where it just dominates your life. Um, and, and I, yeah, and, and I guess you sometimes got to just step away from it. Yeah. yeah. I think, um, yeah, some people are like so good at like being able to use it as a total resource. Mm. Um, yeah. I'm kind of like you where I'm like, oh yeah, I'm totally like doing some research and I'm finding this and oh, I'm saving all of these things for this new project. And then I'm yeah. like, uh, I'm on like Pratt daddy. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah it's. It's interesting. Like I've I've personally had um a, a, 
about a year, about a year away um, from social media, um, aside from the uh, ProPrac stuff that I've, you know, been doing as part of what we're doing. Um, and it is, it's funny because there is like, there is a sense of like not knowing what's going on, which has been really beneficial in a lot of ways, I think, just to have a real like deep, you know, break and just kind of cut it all off. But it is it's made me rethink like, you know, I, there is things that I miss and I do miss having those connections and kind of seeing what people I think, you know, people I think who are really interesting, what they're doing. And I think maybe um, for me, um, what I might try when I kind of reintroduce it is actually just like unfollow everyone who negs me out. Because, um, you know, for me, it does like, you know, I, I think I spent like half an hour on it or like 20 minutes on a, on a train ride recently. And it was just like, I felt like horrible afterwards and it's like just like just unfollow everybody who's just a neggy gross person and just kind Mm. of just yeah like follow the people who are doing projects that you find really like inspiring and um you know that you do want to stalk and Mm. get in touch with and like get in touch with them yeah yeah Mm. yeah is there any other um kind of parts to your practice or to your day that like benefit your practice like you really into walking, cooking. Yeah, like I, I guess. Out with friends. Yeah, like I guess one of the privileges is that your day is really your day. Like you could decide what you want to do. Like if you want to just have a day in bed, that's perfectly fine. Um, but then you could also like make sure that you answer a few emails, or you know, like you can take care of yourself in more productive ways mm. that help with your health and your diet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, oh, my God, like Melbourne winter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how are you finding it so far? Um, Just horrible. <laughs> yeah. it's, it hasn't been that bad because, yeah. like, I was expecting, like, no sunshine. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've had a few nice days. It's been really it's good. Been, yeah, yeah, it's been quite sunny. But I, I do have to warn you that, like, the weather only gets shit after solstice, so it's really mm. only just beginning now, mm. which is maybe a horrible thing to let you in on. Yeah, well, <laughs> my um, yeah, well, Jamie Lewis reminded me that you know, like there there are three ways to um, survive Melbourne winter: a by really big jacket, to make sure you live in a brick house, and mm. no matter how cute. A fire, like a um, what is it? A, a, weatherboard. a weatherboard is. Oh, don't, don't, just don't do it. <laughs> that is such good advice. Yeah. And number three, book a holiday yeah, <laughs> in yeah. like July or August. Yeah, yeah. It helps with your mental health. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as everybody, it's like when the Biennale is on, like everybody's just like, yes, mm. just go to Sydney and just get like a couple of days of sunshine, mm. like save you. I see you've got the jacket already though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like my first purchase. Yeah, <laughs> like in yeah, the middle of summer. I was actually summer. wondering that. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah. like, mm, I'm, I'm not that. a winter person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, but yeah, it, it's that thing where, yeah, you need to go outside. Mm-hmm. You know, like you can't be inside all the time, and mm-hmm. then get vitamin D, get mm-hmm. fruit and yeah. vegetables. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's really important. important. It's yeah. really important. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. are you spending like a lot of days in the studio? Um. Now. Yeah, it depends. Like, um. Yeah. If it's if I've got like projects coming up, sometimes I spend it in the studio making things, or mm-hmm. other times I'm running around, like uh, having meetings with mm-hmm. people. Yeah. Like it feels completely unproductive. Yeah. 
but I get to like have a coffee and hang out and you know you kind of like turn meetings into kind of like an almost social thing so mm, you feel yeah. like you're not a complete recluse yes um yeah but I'm finding that weirdly I'm not doing so many social things because like art is almost all consuming which is yeah. crazy but I like it like yeah yeah, yeah. um so you, you, are you sort of going to a lot of openings and things now since you're, you like, know, like a recent... No, weirdly oh. not. Like, yeah. um, I've been, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I only go to openings when it suits me. Yeah. Like, I used to be, like, a complete opening fiend. Yeah, uh-huh. right. Like, in Sydney, I'd yeah. have a car. And, like, uh-huh. on the Wednesday, like, you know, there'll be, like, first draft, you know. Like, yeah. Da, 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 da. And, and you'd go to, like, three or four. Yeah. Were you also <laughs> the know, person night. that everybody would be like, oh, James brought his car. Let's all, like, go yeah, with yeah, James. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and and I'll, right. I'll be, like, the herding cats. Yes. Oh, so, that's so, like, so good. Stop saying bye to people. Yeah. Quick. Come on, like, we're leaving right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, that's so helpful in Sydney too, because it's so it's like so yeah. hard to get to so many spaces all at once. So, like, well, I mean, Melbourne's not that easy anymore, but I f- yeah. feel like you used to be able to like pop to a couple, you know, like yeah, just mm. walking in the city. But that's great. Yeah, but like that's not my life anymore. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah, like I yeah, it, it's and and I think like it is really important to actually go. And see work because so many times like I'm I'm stuck on like an idea or I'm stuck on some problem with my work and magically the moment I step out of the house and then I go see some random you know like abstract painting exhibition like yeah. things that I don't usually engage with like mm. my brain is able to switch and mm. then you know like whilst looking at some you know like blank minimalist grid like yeah I'm able to, like, s- resolve some, a, yeah. a bunch of, like, problems. Yeah. yeah. And, and so it's really important as an artist to go look at things. Mm-hmm. And I think looking at things that aren't part of your realm is really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. Well, that might be a good spot to ask you uh, what some of the uh, resources that have influenced you during... During James your has career, got a list. Yes. practice. We're very excited about yes. this list. Yes, no, we're very excited about the list. <laughs> oh, it's not that. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, um, yeah. So when I started at the National Art School doing like performance art and stuff, like one of my lecturers recommended me Ubu Web. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm like, I was obsessed. I still with go on it sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I always forget. Yeah. Like, I go through periods of remembering and then forgetting. Mm. Um, it's there that it exists. Yeah, yeah, that's a great one. Yeah, no, like that's that's really important. And um, like Yeah, for anyone who doesn't yeah. know what it is. Uh so it's kind of like an archive of kind of like experimental performance, arty mm-hmm. theory, everything's in black and white mm-hmm. kind of thing. It's such a shitty website too. Like it's Oh, but it's so good. It's so like web two yeah. yeah. It's um it. Ubu U V U, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. Yep. W E B. Yeah. Great. Yeah, no, it's fab. It's mm-hmm. like the best. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I go through periods not seeing it, and then just like sometimes looking at it, and it just it's like, just great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like a home. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is like Canopy, Ooh. the film archive. So, like, I think if you've got university, then you know, like, you just go into their library. But also, I think Canopy now is just part of your public library. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. So if you've got like a 
um, kind of like just a library card. Like you can access, um, you know, like all these cool documentaries and Great. yeah, and yeah. like old films and like short weird stuff. Like mm. yeah, I remember going. Just keep like, writing that down right yeah. now. <laughs> I'm like, I don't need to write it down. Yeah. I'm recording yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so canopy is K A N O P Y. Cool. Like it's yeah, like just it's it's great. Like you can mm. find things like the Caribbean Collective, you know that the the indigenous like led filmmakers like cool. like crazy amazing wow. stuff on yeah, there. Yeah, I've never heard of it before. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's really good. Um, the other thing is the British Library Sound Archive. That's fun just mm-hmm. to like play through and like if you ever need like. Funny, hilarious, like glass breaking, <laughs> things falling in water, like you know, like sounds for your videos. Yeah. Like that's really fun. Mm. Like one of my things is that I hate listening to kind of like art drone oh uh, my God. video. Like, <laughs> yes. I like the music equivalent of that noise that the three of us just made at one time. <laughs> mm. I like I can't deal with it at all. So I'm like, please, just like. At least put in some, like, sound effects. <laughs> the next thing that I really love is the National Archives of Australia. Yeah. It's, like, so great for ideas. Like, you just... Well, one of the things that I love doing is, like, just randomly going on eBay or just YouTube or whatever, and then you find weird stories, and you're like, huh? There was, like, I don't know, like, internment camps in Sydney? What? Mm-hmm. Or, like, oh, they had these, like there was like murdered Japanese people in Kaura. And so like, yeah. And so like these weird things that you encounter, just look on the national archives and they've got materials, they've got images, they've got like, yeah, amazing stuff. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of like your art is pretty made because, (laughs) you know, like a bunch of um, researchers have compiled all this information. Done all the hard work for (laughs) you. Yeah. And you're like, (laughs) ta-da. Yeah, made an art. Um, yeah, just and all moved to Canberra. <laughs> yeah. Just hang out. So many amazing things. That's where all the amazing things are. But yeah. you don't need to even be there. Yeah. Just go Internet. on the interwebs, right? Yeah, yeah. It's so good. And um, the other thing that um, Lauren Harris just introduced me to, which I'm such an idiot for not realizing is Trove. Mm. So it's just like National Library of Australia and all their images. Yeah. It's like, oh my God, it's crazy. Yeah. 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 Trove is Our last guest literally just said that as yeah. well. Trove. It's yeah, like, and trove, the archives. Trove, mm. yeah. trove, Trove, Trove. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's so good. But um, yeah, like for, for me, I love listening to like podcasts and like just reading random articles mm. and Arts and Letters Daily. Mm is really amazing because it's like they give you links to free articles Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they're usually like really about interesting things that you probably that don't probably come up in your news feed yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, so it's kind of like that anti-apple anti-google feed that you know um yeah it's feeding you mindless crap but it's not apple crap right like it's from it's someone really else. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Nothing comes up in my feed anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Arts and Notes Daily. It's amazing. And, cool. yeah, and also, like, they, every week, they send you, like, five or six articles that you scroll through, and I'd usually just read one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's really cool. Mm. Radio National is always mm-hmm. fun. Yeah. Just leave yeah. it on. 
Yeah, um, I really miss that. Ooh. Just having the radio. Do you have on. the radio on in the studio or um, at home? Like I or in the car. I I just turn on the. What was the little that thing? The telephone <laughs> on the device. The transmitter. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like um, yeah, like yeah, Radio National is just amazing. Yeah. Like um, yeah, I just love like background briefing. Mm-hmm. Like just just go online, get all of their old episodes, and then it's, like, so many ideas for work. Mm-hmm. Like, once again, someone's done all the research mm-hmm. for you. You just mm-hmm. have to visualise it somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that that's always fun. Um, yeah, I, I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah. an amazing list. Thanks love, for sharing. Um, how much, when you, you know, when you're doing, like, a residency or, like, making a work that's really, like, studio heavy, maybe something's really, like, kind of, uh, labor intensive but doesn't require a lot of thought that's like really repetitious it's amazing how like well informed you end up being through that process I don't know mm. if yeah like when I uh, I did a um, tapestry like a couple of years ago and yeah a lot of it was just like kind of slogging through the work but it was just like I was running out of podcasts to listen to mm. like I was like <laughs> You know, I was listening to like I had maybe twenty that mm. I that I was subscribed to, and I was yeah, I would run out like every day. <laughs> um, if you could travel back in time to the start of your career or when you were a kid to tell you something that you know now, what would it be? Um, yeah, like yeah, like what we were talking before, just like having the courage to ask and like approaching people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like if. If only I had done those things earlier. Like, imagine what it could have been. Compounding. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. It's it's that thing where, yeah, like how how do you develop your sense of yourself and your confidence in the world, right? Like, mm. it's that's actually really hard, and everyone has to negotiate that. Yeah. And it's kind of like you still have to do that now. Mm-hmm. Like, um, being constantly knocked back for for things, and it's like, how do you grow your thick skin? Like, mm-hmm. um. Yeah, maybe it's a good thing that, you know, like you weren't confident and you failed lots and then you didn't, yeah, and you got lots of rejections. Like maybe that's a good thing. Mm. Um, yeah, like I, I think that's that's useful. Like it's, yeah. not, it's not a bad thing. You yeah, know? you definitely learn something else. Yeah, but if I could that. go back in time, of course, like rob a bank or something yeah. like <laughs> set myself up yeah. like buy shares in yeah. tech companies good advice <laughs> hey. alright uh, yeah I guess we'll end on that note then um, thanks so much for joining us in the studio tonight James oh no it's a pleasure yeah it's been great this episode is recorded on the sovereign land of the Kulin Nation we acknowledge the traditional owners of the land the Wurundjeri people and pay respects to elders past present and emerging Thanks for listening to ProPrac. You can listen to other episodes and subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You can stay up to date with what we're up to on Instagram at ProPrac Podcast or send us an email at ProPracPod at gmail.com.